0: oh
1: play by Mahé. oh my goodness man, what a shot ça golset ça golset
0: the head the
1: Hello everyone, welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour It's our semi-final preview Chris O'Reilly here with Brian Campion Side by side in Cologne at last You're so much louder in person oh, and I Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking <laughs> uh, And uh, the consistently second most important person of the podcast Brian Campion <laughs> uh, Call back to a joke which only people on Patreon Who listened to the podcast yesterday would have gotten Alex Gulesh, how you doing? I'm good, Chris. How you doing, boys? Good, good. Uh, it's good to be good to be with you, Brian. We, we've seen each other on Zoom every few days, but finally in the same place after roaming around Germany for the last three weeks, and we're in Cologne on the uh, the verge of deciding it all. It's France against Sweden, Denmark against Germany in the semi-finals of the Men's EHF Euro 2024, and uh, we're gonna preview the games in just a little bit but uh, I think it's worth ranting a little bit on the fact that three of the four teams at this stage are uh, coming into the semi-finals on the back of a loss Mm.
2: interesting huh? I'm glad it's over that part of the tournament because we ramped up so nicely then, and then you have this situation where just before the biggest weekend on European international handball comes around you have this kind of a few friendlies before you get into it, uh, <laughs> yeah. which, don't uh, you know, it's just, I, I really hate that and, uh, I'm not sure anyone likes it. Imagine the people who had the tickets today for the German match thinking they might have been buying tickets for a crunch game, the last grass group group match and then they, they saw that, what they saw today with Croatia beating, beating Germany and, the Germans kind of like, oh, no, yeah, we, we meant this. We were, yeah, we, yeah, we were rotating. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. definitely played our second team. Yeah, 100% played our second team. Yeah, started the first team, felt, went down <laughs> by three goals. And they're like, oh, no, the totally young lad's on now. But can I take yeah. you back to
0: the end of the preliminary round and just how excited we were, just how buzzing <laughs> we were. At that moment, listen back to that podcast. You know, we we're talking over ourselves. We all had different emotions, different perspectives. And here we are just sitting here after essentially three wasted days of handball. It
1: just feels <laughs> so wrong. It, it can happen, right? I mean, two years ago, we were uh, at the same stage of the competition where literally Sweden needed the last... Shot of the game to beat Norway to go ahead of Norway into the semi finals after they'd scraped through a previous round. Final shot of the game and final shot of the main round to get into the semi finals, and they won it. Um, it just so happened like it looked like if you asked us four or five days ago, it looked like both groups could go down that way, but then literally, like two results changed all of that. Mm. One of them, Sweden beating Portugal. And the other one, Germany beating Hungary. And then all of a sudden, nothing really matters in the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, if, we, if we just go back to, to group one and we're recording after the end of the, the games there, my big takeaway from that, like Germany through with the fewest points a team has gone to the semifinals with since the change of format with five points. But every other team in that group have one game at least to look back on and go, fuck! Mm. Why did we blow that game or would we be in the semi-final? Mm. Hungary had it against Austria. Austria had it against Germany. Iceland had it against everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and Croatia had it against Iceland. If Croatia had beaten Iceland and beaten Germany today, Croatia would have been through. It was so close to being
2: such an epic finale, but it was the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, even just had Austria won, it would have been at least tense. Uh, yeah. I mean, would, would Germany have beaten Croatia today? Would they I, actually have beaten I don't, Croatia? I think Croatia I don't, were not were better. I think yeah. they were better. I think like, they were you know. just better. I mean, what a keeper. I mean, he's, just, he's such a sensation, isn't 22
1: he? 22 saves, Dominic Kuzmanovic. That's insane. Holy moly. And that was after I mean, that's, that's Konstantin Musto had 20 saves.
0: And we were here being like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. And then Kuzmanovic shows up and just shows up the German attack, really. Just calls yeah. them.
1: calls them what? Yeah. Calls them a bunch of... Wankers, <laughs> go on. <laughs> Do it in a Gunther Stein accent, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> calls them <laughs> a bunch of wankers. <laughs> yeah, the Germany game was, was bizarre. Uh, France, came the only team with a win, and they tried their best to give Hungary the chances to win. Uh, huge amount of turnovers, not much in the goalkeeper department. Gave away all these penalties, still Hungary couldn't get the job done. But I think... yeah. Uh, I think you you want to tear into Sweden a little bit here, Alex. Who uh, I don't know. Am I more disappointed in Sweden or Denmark? I think Denmark.
0: But yeah, you have to give it to
1: France for
0: having some sporting integrity. Yeah, I, I'm. You for know, once. we, and we you talked about the opposite
2: yesterday. Yeah, we're like, oh,
0: he's <laughs> gonna oh, they're, they're gonna play a couple of people. Obviously, Karabatic got the rest. That. Completely makes yeah. sense. LSN as well, which yeah. is But yeah, they, they came out with a first team. Dickamem was playing, uh, Prandi playing. Uh, Remely had finally had a top game shooting. He was seven from seven. Really ran the show. Fabregas played. You know they didn't need to play any of those players in that final game against Hungary. They could have gone for the Denmark approach and rested their whole first team. They didn't mm-hmm. because. I think they wanted momentum. I think they saw what happened to Denmark and were like, ah, you know, we don't, we don't really want to have a loss on a record yeah. here. No. And it's not you know, we're still playing Hungary. I think we can take them essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um and they just because it mattered. You know, it could have if they had played a fully second team, Hungary would have qualified. Yeah. Like we we could have been in a situation where you know germany lose to croatia maybe a tighter game because it would have mattered hungary beat france because they played some randomers and everyone is raging everyone is absolutely fuming at france they wanted to avoid that controversy they wanted to keep momentum but you know what they look good
1: they Mm. do and i i did mention yesterday in the patreon only podcast that i felt and this i believe even stronger after seeing it that the uh the full French squad is in a better place than the Danish full squad when you take away the best players. Because they did play the second team, except for Dikamem, who I got on good authority uh, from a former teammate of his, Victor Tomas. You know he's had the foot injury all season. And the main reason why he has that injury is because he's not playing regularly in Spain. And so he wants Mm -hmm. to play constantly every two days. He wants to keep going because playing is what is keeping him fit surprise surprise mm. uh, but uh, yeah so that was maybe reason why he played a bit more than everyone else but besides that they yeah they threw out the full squad and uh, it looked they looked very it looked like the same french team they changed players maybe some of the you know the cutting edge wasn't exactly there but they're doing everything they looked super comfortable which wasn't the same for denmark not that it's going to make a difference if put, like Gietzel and Sauerstrap are all fit and playing in the final, but <laughs> that's another
2: story. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at least the Denmark game was a bit of a game as well. But the Sweden and Germany one, like it wasn't in any yeah. contest in the end. And I feel like that was a bit, a bit more depressing because I feel like there's no way. Like I felt like Sweden and Germany in my head were the same thing. It was like, oh no, yeah, we're. No, we yeah, we didn't really care, you know, yeah. after the fact. <laughs> it really did feel like that because it was such a hammering by Norway as well. Yeah. And some of the beach handball style goals that they were scoring at one stage <laughs> was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck's going on here? I mean this is the the latter end of a European championship and these kind of getting steamrolled I by a left, team yeah. that were getting steamrolled by everyone else. It was bizarre, you know? And that's why you just you can't you can't be a fan of Yeah, It, it, it,
1: it show I think it shows how, how important the psychological side of uh of like getting through is and like getting up for every single game. And yeah. I think they were already looking forward to Friday because of course they were, they, they're the only team who knew who their opponents were. They knew they were playing France five mm. days in advance. I'm not, I would not be uh, led to believe that they were preparing for Norway mm. on Monday. They were taking a rest on Monday. I know that for sure, for sure. And then they started preparing for France because that is all, all the matters. And at the end of, on Friday, if, uh, if Germany and Sweden pull off two miraculous victories, then, uh, well, it'll all be worth it, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but only one of those miraculous victories may happen.
0: Yeah, and, and it is interesting. There's different approaches you mentioned. Um, Denmark and France squads. Denmark have an unbelievable squad, but their second team players, their second string players don't really play. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen any of Mads, Mensah, Larson. Johan Hansen hasn't been there damgore has got a few minutes they really lean on you know gisos played
1: gisos played every minute it should come out as no surprise that they once they finally get a game that they're like that first of all they're like oh this is the game we get in that surely it doesn't mean much and like their self-worth and mm. no matter how like confident they are and in such a machine they are
2: there's it's got to have an effect on them mm. right yeah but then going in, and then going into a semi-final you come on the semi-final and you've played like that i it's i don't know not great like exactly
0: you know? like for France they've kept it really fluid for the whole tournament they've given each player it's it's really the barcelona approach in the club handball where that season they were literally just letting everyone play all the time keeping it fresh um and it worked for them um it looks like it's working for France for Denmark i think there is just there's this feeling of, that they got rocked against Sweden a little bit. You know the way they just steamroll teams and they take that third quarter and they run away and then that's it. But then against Sweden, they started to run away in that third quarter and then Sweden said, nah, nah, we, we got this. Brought them back and I think they were rocked because when the number one options don't work, it hasn't always worked uh to bring in like the second stringers um and that's that's not on the quality of the players i don't think and in that poll that actually got 1500 votes 55 percent of people thought that denmark would not qualify for a semi-final Ooh, without God, their best it got tighter players. though mm. it did get tighter and uh It is, you know that means that 45 percent of people 750 people who voted uh thought that even without their seven best players denmark would make it to a semi-final which is a what is which is a ridiculous thought
2: would france's second team make it to a semi-final going on what we've seen so far i I don't think so no
0: Mm. i think it's the different approaches where france have roles of you know each player their top players have forty minutes, and their second-string players have twenty minutes in each game, and they have a role in the full game. For Denmark, the the backup players are all impact players. It's like go out there and show yourself for three minutes. If it works or doesn't, you know, we go back to the first squad. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe um, you know, the coaches would do things differently, but I don't think. There's any team that can get to a semi-final without their seven best players, not even
1: Denmark or France. I think it's worth noting as well, Like, generally, once they get to this stage, at least at World Championship level, they go all the way now. So it's, uh, it's not like we don't have any material to base it on. You know, semi-finals are semi-finals now. Uh, it's between three or four teams that we're used to seeing at this level. So Denmark know how to navigate this part of the competition. As well, and uh, and Spain aren't
2: there, which is usually their bogey team at this point. Mm. I mean, you were saying Alex earlier about like how we were so pumped about the tournament in that earlier podcast, and then how he seems so down now. But I am very confident that this last weekend is going to be is going to be really, really good. So I think we're going to look back at this still in a few weeks or in a few <clears> years. I think as probably one of the best European championships. Even though we had a bit of a dull end to the main round, I still think there's been some really, really amazing stories. I mean, just. Maybe Austria from the main round is probably the biggest, the biggest story, um, and then you have the likes of all the the debutants in the in the the preliminary round. So I think there's been some 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 great stories, and I think we're heading into a into a really really great final weekend. So I'm feeling confident still that it's going to be it's going to come
1: good. Uh, Friday is going to be huge. Yeah, that's good. And the semi final days are the best. Yeah, you know that yeah. now, yeah. right? Yeah, and <laughs> uh, we have four really good teams, and probably the
0: four best teams. I would even say that Germany do deserve to be there despite their up and down form. Do you think Germany would have finished in the top four of the other group? In the top four of the other group.
2: Yeah. Yes. Ahead
1: of Slovenia
0: and Portugal. Yes, I think they finished ahead of Slovenia
2: and Portugal. So I don't know. They were very lucky. They were I mean they were they shaved past Iceland probably shouldn't have gotten the win there. They were they were a dodgy call away from last in the group. Should have got beat by Austria. I mean Austria should have <laughs> yeah. really won by three
1: in the end. But that, that is that is quite fun. And it was it was a like a complete mess of a group, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. But awesome. and uh yeah even even today seeing Austria like go down by six all of a sudden and then come back yeah from six down and and make a game of it and like just be there scrapping away for a potential semi-final spot is this is crazy, crazy. and they, they
2: were out on their feet last year today like i mean the They're- first half as I mean, as you had tweeted out Alex, they wanted to look like they go they wanted to go to bed um, yeah <laughs> and they really did and to, to, you have to you have to give them props for coming out in the second half and making a game of it yeah. and really have to dig deep because I I've been watching them each and every day in the main round here and they just visibly look quite a lot slower today everything looked a lot more labored and it's very very similar with hungary as well like you know even you can see them in the warm-up like these lads are wrecked and there was three yeah. or four of the hungarian players at the end that they were just completely could barely stand up at the end of it so they were just completely out in their feet i think that's maybe a difference also between those teams that are maybe on, not used to getting that that far to teams like france who've been there and done that and worn, worn the jacket multiple times they kind of they don't maybe yeah. it, it doesn't take the same toll on, <laughs> on them with the experience yeah. that they yeah. have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd say teams like France,
0: Denmark, Sweden—they all plan for a whole tournament. You know they, mm. You know the Training players always well, say, everything. "Oh, ne- yeah. we are only thinking about the next game, um, whatever." But the coaches are just planning to get to the final and how to manage players. There was even for France um, against Switzerland. Fabregas just didn't play in defense. Mm. And that's like a subtle change. It's not just like, take Fabregas off. He's still playing, put him in attack, but don't play him in defense. And it doesn't matter. They drew, but it didn't matter. But, you know, it's without throwing off rhythm. So there's like a plan there for Denmark. You know, they knew the games that they could ramp up with and they knew the players that needed playing time, like Matthias Giss, who's played every minute. And they're like, you know what? You, You play every minute. They're planning for their whole tournament. Hungary are just happy to be there. Austria yeah. just can't believe they're there.
1: <laughs> oh, you may have noticed uh, that Christoph Palosic uh, wasn't playing today for Hungary. The reason why is because he had to have appendix surgery last night. oh my God. oh God. yeah, so they that's what they so they flew in. He's fine, all good, but so they flew in this third choice keeper Ando who ended up having a stormer yeah, in the second yeah. half. <laughs> yeah I mean' again. just like every everything happened to this Hungary team like uh even also uh uh with Dominic Mathe out as well, and they still they're still there fighting away mm. miss at end all right, right, right. Hungary are, yeah. oh, are out Austria are out the semi finals right. of the
0: European championship are coming yeah, up the yeah. four best teams in the world are about to face off yeah so let's let's talk about those okay
1: Can we talk about Denmark Germany first how how can Germany do this? Oh like guys, what are they gonna do right
0: so, so Andy like, Wolf yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Andy Wolf has the biggest game of his life yeah like you say that, and they're there are two teams that have two amazing strengths, and that is attack for Denmark who have the best attack in the competition so far. They're shooting seventy percent as a team, and they're scoring almost 34 goals per 50 attacks, which is miles ahead of everyone. But on the other side, Germany have the best defense in the competition by quite a bit, and anti wolf. Um, so Germany are only conceding 23 goals per 50 possessions. Um, their combined... Like They have 26 steals and 22 blocks, which is double anyone else. And they have the least amount of suspensions. 15 of the teams left in the competition Mm -hmm. have the least amount of suspensions. So I don't think we should underestimate Germany's defense in this as a real challenger to um, Denmark. The question is, is their attack going to be any good like can they string
1: two passes together (laughs) (laughs) what came to my mind there a point I made earlier about early in the championship about Iceland against Germany and that you know all these Icelandic guys play in Germany and they're just playing a weaker bunch of Bundesliga players you multiply that by 10 with Denmark like they all know each other very very well the attack and defense from both sides some of them are teammates The others, they play against each other. I don't know if knowing them so well is a good thing for Germany or for Denmark. Or even if knowing how well Seema Putlik a Gietzel, can play helps you. Or if that just keeps you up at night now for the next (laughs) two nights if you're German.
0: (laughs) I suppose you just, you accept it and Mm. you try to make the game
1: hell
2: for Denmark. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be just, the
1: worst game, like the like the sloggiest game.
2: Is it? I hope either, it is for the sake of it. It's gonna be that maybe our sluggy for forty minutes and then Denmark just pull away, like you know. Well, that'll, yeah, both yeah. are very very possible. Yeah, yeah. In the, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can't see it being any kind of flu, flu like kind of flowing game of of. Uh,
1: because we have seen we have seen teams try to do that with Denmark mm, to, to keep up with them, and Greece. it's the same it's the same thing. Greece, you know, they yeah. they they laid out the the challenge. Um, like Sweden did it to a different extent where like Sweden knew how, where they were going to get the solutions in attack and it wasn't pretty, but they kept getting penalties, mm. uh, kept getting shots from 6 metres um, and as Eamon Nielsen told us at the time, that was like a hell, hell for a goalkeeper as uh, so he was down to a mere 35% save rate and uh, <laughs> so we, we've seen it over and over again against this Danish team and they, it's always a question of how long can they keep up with Denmark? Mm. Do Germany want to play that game? I think they'll be forced into it at some stage. That they'll have Andy
0: Wolf in their back, um, protecting them. That's there's going to be certain. Mm-hmm. Denmark are going to have Nielsen, um, who I think is going to start. But what I say here is, Andy Wolf has had his bad game of the tournament. His one bad game, mm-hmm. or bad half, really, because he actually had a fantastic second half in. Um, That game against, was it Hungary?
1: Yeah. He came back Um, on, yeah.
0: uh, Emil Nielsen has not had a bad game. And I know he's capable of going through a full tournament without having a bad game. But we've pretty much never
1: seen that before. He's never played one before. (laughs) From anyone. (laughs) Uh, From any keeper, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But could that be the key to Emil Nielsen getting the MVP title after all? Mm. Snatching it under the nose, no, I don't think so, um yeah, I've, maybe at the moment uh I think if Emil Nielsen has a bad fifteen minutes, they'll make the change already, and then it's a question of whether they can have both keepers have a bad game, which is a big ask in a weekend like this um i think if if you're going for like the can can Germany keep up with them, they do have a couple of really good. Counter-attacking options in terms of the uh, the line player like fast break and the actual wingers as well. If if Castening is fully fit and Mertens on the other side, they're two they're two really really good wingers, and I, I could I could see them both getting like six or seven goals um, from from the wing in this game, and then they just have to bundle the ball in a few more times, and, and then they have some kind of a chance. <laughs>
0: So is Juri is Knorr going to have a good game? Because he hasn't had a good game yeah. in what seems like weeks now. He started off the I, tournament really well, yeah. but he's been really poor um, for the last couple of games. And Germany have gotten by without it. But for Germany to go anywhere, they, they need Juri Knorr, they do.
1: right? And from one thing that really stood out to me in the game against Sweden for Denmark was just how good... Magnus Saugströp was and just how bloodthirsty Magnus Saugstrup is and he's a guy who's going to be waiting at like 10 meters for Yuri Knorr I think that's going to be a really key battle because if he can get any space against Saugstrup, then then the line player will all of a sudden become very free but uh, what what do I, you I, th- I fancy Saugströp in that battle
2: what do you think of it is about uh, Yuri Knorr that's what, like do you know we always talked about having, having the best standing shot in the, in the game and all this kind of stuff and I feel like is he not taking those shots, or is his head not quite there, or he's not trusting himself? Because you feel like he's snatching at things, and maybe his sh- shot selection isn't the best at times. But it's kind of hard to put your finger on what exactly he's doing wrong. But he's not definitely di- dictating play in the backcourt, like you've seen him in, with that amazing season when he was right at two seasons ago, wasn't that? Yeah. When he was tearing it up at the Bundesliga. But any theories? Yeah, and,
0: and the last championship as well where he got exhausted and because he was on the forty eighth minute Absolutely. mark every yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it's partially due to a change of style, I think, that giselson has implemented definitely more movement. It's not just Knorr show centric yeah. handball. Yeah. Knorr show. It's um he's trying to make it work. That That's helped because, you know, I think Knorr is probably feeling much fresher than he has at tournaments at this stage. The question is, can Germany and Gieselstein balance that to give, to kind of go here, 10, ten minutes, Knorr, you're, lead the show yeah, here. Just do your thing, yeah. This is yours. And use that in the right way. Use a bit of seven and
2: six in the right way. Is Giesen the type of coach though, to give someone that kind of freedom, though? Like he never really struck me as a kind of guy. He seems like do you know, he seems like a very regimented kind of strict coach who doesn't. It's his system or the highway. Do you know, is he the kind of guy to give someone that kind of freedom? I don't know.
1: If he wants, if, I think if he wants to win, they have to throw something new at Denmark because, mm. uh, I mean, I think one of the reason, my theory, why he's not getting as much space is because it's similar with Iceland, similar with a lot of teams, is that defenses are not that passive defenses are they they figure out how these players move because they have their moves and they're like okay now we know how to stop them and I think they've just prepared themselves uh, or like we cannot be pinned back on our six meter line I haven't seen so many teams at a championship like collectively come off nine meters or come beyond nine meters before so
2: I think maybe that's a little bit to yeah. do with it, but, uh, or maybe their backcourse is really boring, and it's, uh, <laughs> he suffers in a very boring backcourt. <laughs> and he needs a bit. He needs a bit. To some two firecrackers, maybe each side of him, for things to work like a little bit. Yeah, and speaking of firecrackers,
0: I would like to see a lot more from Oostens, the right back, twenty twenty-one-year-old, one of the um, world championship-winning under twenty-one's German team, who has looked really nice when he's come on and been an impact player but he's still been really limited behind um, Hefner so he could be a little bit of a wild card that Germany could throw in.
1: Yeah and it's not, you can't really lose and that, that is their weakest position right so you can't really lose there if you throw him in you know the yeah. the, the best Latvian right back since Stannis Christopans uh, there in uh, <laughs> renars
0: what what about what about Denmark? I think we've you know they've been fantastic. You know, sometimes we just don't speak about them because they're just so yeah. good. Um, but we saw Putlik have um, a poor game against Sweden, and Putlik not not the ethereal heights that he reached um, in the previous World Championship when they won, where he was Denmark's best player. Who was so. There's not a question mark about him, but a team like Germany who have a really good defense against a struggling back player. Yeah, you could see him how struggle a little bit. Gizel's going to do gitsel things, um, and then you have an kind of injured Hansen to to deal with. Yeah. See how much he recovers. Is that an are there enough question marks to to think
2: about? You know. Denmark struggling a little He's bit. Like, I'm not sure, but I'm maybe thinking like that the, <laughs> that. the the bad game all those secondary players had, maybe it was a good thing coming into this game, or or maybe it was their maybe it'll be their downfall. But uh, I don't know. I think Simon Picklick maybe hasn't needed to be prime Simon Picklick just yet. And I feel like a lot a lot of the d- Danish games, maybe par the Sweden one, they fairly they've been in. in I mean, they weren't of the Sweden game as well, weren't they? I felt like I didn't feel like it was out, they were ever really under. It was a late flurry. A late uh, flare, yeah. 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 They felt very much in control for the rest of it. So, I think it's dangerous to feel like we haven't seen a whole lot from this or this player because I feel like there's been so many Euros I've been at where we've been having similar conversations and then when money time comes and they just show up. There's always somebody
1: from this Danish team. Last mm-hmm. year at the World Championship, Lauga was I was like eased back from his injury and then he scored, what, eight goals in yeah. the final? Uh, Mensa's done it at, at yeah, previous goals. World Championship finals. Like somebody... And they have players. They to have do that. So many players that can have, do that. Yeah, there's yeah. someone who will do that. Um, I think when I saw that, when whenever I see them in full flow with with Hansen, Putlik and Gietzel, it looks like there's no there's yeah, no, no stopping, stopping us, that. It's yeah. like I think they've they've yeah. t- they've given us they tasters up. of that, and I think when the time comes, they and that time probably is against France in the final. Uh, that they will unleash it properly, and if that doesn't go to plan. Then they've got a fantastic Magnus Saugstrup on the line. That doesn't go to plan. They've got uh, a few really handy wingers as well. And if that doesn't go to plan, they'll just save 30 shots. They have enough plans, I think.
0: (laughs) I think they will struggle um, for a period of this game. I think Denmark will will struggle for a period. Um, And depending on when that is... Uh, will decide the game i suppose and whether that period coincides with wolf mm-hmm. being amazing or you have essentially i think germany can make them struggle with their defense for 20 minutes if wolf can make them s- struggle with his goalkeeping ability for another 20 minutes there's a
2: route for germany and evolved there's always a chance no wolf no party Alex, one more question for you about Germany's defensive statistics. Do you think they're maybe a little bit inflated seeing the preliminary round group they came from and then maybe being on the weaker side of the main round that we could be in for a bit of a... Or Germany could be in for a <laughs> bit of a shock once they come up against Denmark. Do you know, because they came up against North Macedonia Switzerland, Switzerland uh, in their preliminary round, or, or their preliminary group. They got beat by France. They almost got beaten by Austria. who they, I mean, on paper, they should be walking all over. Do you know what I'm saying? So do you feel like maybe they had... Their defense the statistics maybe look a little bit better than they should it's a, it's not a bad point, but they've
0: only conceded thirty goals once and that was against France and mm. twice against Croatia today in the whole competition and that's that's good defense and they yeah they played against Switzerland and can only concede fourteen yeah. in front of yeah. uh, fifty three thousand yeah. people so True. that helps it definitely helps but uh I think every every one of these top teams has had games against yep. weaker teams as well and if you just look at it as well you know, the German defence is
2: just they're so huge mm. they're just so huge they're so active Sebastian Heyman is just the most ultimate German guy isn't mm. he? handball player <laughs> just so Such stereotypical so stereotypical <laughs> even how he plays as well like, yeah. just like give me the ball shoot like yeah small, small yeah. head big neck you know um, <laughs> but anyway what, we're moving on we move on to the other yeah. semi-final please. let's do it
1: this is a fun one i i have no idea <laughs> where should we start with this all right uh, let me give you some overview of the
0: teams Go on. um so france have the fastest pace in out of any team in the competition. so they have the most goals scored but they just they shoot quickly they run quickly they pass quickly and they're all really really fast so um they run and gun, and it's worked for them so far. They're shooting at a pretty good efficiency, 66%, and they're the best 9-meter shooting team. They, Out of the four semifinalists, they've taken the most 9-meter shots, 112, and scored 57% of them, which is a really um, good mark, well ahead of um, the other teams, uh, especially Germany, who've shot 37% from 9 meters. Woeful. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about Germany. <laughs> um, for Sweden, uh they have a very good defense, so they're just behind Germany in the per 50 stats with 24. They shoot well, 67% overall, and they're at the best fast break. So while France play at the fastest pace, Sweden get on the fast break really well, the team fast break, second wave, and they score 90% of their fast breaks. So uh, 35 from 39 on, on fast break opportunities. So that's, it's going
1: to be a fast game. Yeah. That's, that's what that tells me. Uh, I think that, that the crucial thing there for Sweden is the fact that they commit to six men going up and down almost all of the time. Uh, that they have every single player in the squad who they trust to go in defense as well as attack. And that is something that, uh, that I think has uh, had a huge impact against Denmark. And another little like, caveat to this is the, the fact that this is becoming a semi final rivalry for the ages. As Nedim Remeli said post match, uh, and I love that Nedim Remeli is a guy who is kind of going along with the kind of journalistic chat. Not you know sometimes players are like ah whatever and it kind of makes our job seem a bit pointless. But uh, no, he's like yeah this is this is a, a rivalry for the modern ages. We've faced each other in uh, the last in three of the last four semi-finals. They're leading two one. It's time for us to get one back. And we're like yeah, Neddy. <laughs> but yeah, semi-final <laughs> of the of the World Championship last year, uh, France won that uh, without Jim Gottfriedsson for Sweden, who had broken his hand. Uh, the year before that, the Euro semifinal, Sweden won that with Iam Gottfriedsen and Andreas Palica having big games, and then the World Championship 2021, Sweden won that semi-final, with Andreas Palika having one of the most outstanding games, I think, in, in many years where he uh he really uh made that flying kung fu save his trademark. So this is a this is a great battle in a way, and I think uh there's no there's no secrets and no fear for either of those teams against each other. They, they're they both, I think, really up for this. They know what it's about. Uh, I think the difference here for for France, in my opinion, to those ones, and I don't know how much of an impact it'll be because we've never seen them in a semi-final before, but they have a goalkeeper now. And Samir Pellasen, who uh, who hasn't played in a game like this before. And... Will he? Will he? Won't he?
2: <laughs> I, I trust him. I
1: trust him. Yeah.
0: So despite that, France do have the worst goalkeepers pair mm. out of the four semi-finalists. They're only at twenty nine percent overall. Sweden's pair has thirty two percent. But there's just something. Yeah, as you said, it, Brian. I, I trust Ballasan. It just has something <laughs> about him. He has that aura. Maybe it's just the like slightly larger goalkeepers. <laughs> That you just trust you don't you don't trust those skinny yeah, boys like really, to be as too thin get out of there you're you're not committed into <laughs> it I'd be a
2: professional goalkeeper when they put a weight on them you know they're like they're in the, they're in, it, they're, in it, they're they're proper handball nerds then yeah. I think <laughs> now he's a, I, I feel like when I watch him he's a kind of a guy that rises to an occasion you know because I mean it was huge for him getting the call up and with the year he's had how surreal everything's been I don't think all of a sudden a semi final is going to be that. Yeah. that big of a deal for him like he was an, un- an unknown French goalkeeper unknown to the masses anyway only a matter over a year ago and then now he became Kiel's first goalkeeper select for France then playing really regularly for France at the Euro I think it's a natural step that he'll just be the main man mm-hmm. for the semi-final as well and uh, it doesn't strike me as a guy who would let the occasion get to him anyway but maybe I'll be wrong but he seems to lap it up uh, and lap it up pretty well very different to Van Girard Gerard I think in from what okay. I've seen anyway but uh, yeah I mean it's, it's, oh, a, it's a very you couldn't resist you no, couldn't resist a little I dig
1: can't. to Van the man hasn't played in a, about yeah. a year and you just like give a little stab at the end <laughs> goalkeeper and, and defence for France I think will decide this one uh, they if they can stop that like Swedish ability to just grind out six metre shots grind out penalties then they'll have a chance if they can, can get the tackles in. If they can give away the free throws instead of the penalties, um, I think like the timing of the Swedish attack when it's going is just that's it's just so good. Like Sandel and Lagergren, they're just like the two guys who have nothing really special about them, but their timing on the run then combined with their actual like shooting ability through. as they sail through, and that is like yeah. that is I think a little bit underestimated or like undervalued by by people, like the ability of Claren and Gofriedson to dish out those passes and the, the ability of uh, also Carlsberg uh, to time those runs so well to just be clean through and it's either penalty or goal every time is massive and I I really love the wing battle here for the two teams, that's going to be explosive like all the wingers, it's great bunch of lads, all eight of them and half of them, no, was, uh, what are they? Well, almost there six of them playing in France as well. A bunch of them are teammates. The two, the two Swedes, Pelas and uh, and Carlson, playing for Montpellier with Port. Oh, this guy used to be one of them, not anymore. So uh, Len and Len, yeah. Well. So yeah, they're all, they're all Montpellier players. Montpellier, <laughs> so that's going to be a nice little thing on the side as well. This just feels like a. In the end, Hampus Van is just going to score nine penalties, and he's going to score four fast breaks, and he'll be top scorer.
2: Is this? Is this? This does this one feel like has extra time written all over it? I hope so. Oh yeah, we it need. That's it. Yeah, this is it really this does. is semi final yeah. in Cologne, is not it. no, no, and it's the, semifinal. Ah, it's the first semi final. We all
0: know at a championship. First one, perfect. The first yeah. semi final oh, is the be, one that goes
1: extra time. The second semi final is going to yeah. throw off at nine twelve or something <laughs> like that.
0: It's going to be a late one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and then Denmark beat Germany really easily, yeah, forty to eighteen. That's what always happens in the second. People are leaving at time and jeez there is one interesting feature of um, Sweden France as well. We talked about both teams having kind of second units, or like a lot of these teams mm. having second units. But I think for France and Sweden in particular, they really have second units. Like Sweden have their first line with Gottfriedsson, Carlsberg, and Lagergren, and then they have their their second line with Claire Jonsson and Sandel. So they're two uh, lines uh, and they kind of pick different times when the whole string comes on and comes off. Uh, for France, they also kind they of, they're a bit more fluid, but they give their second line a lot more action on the court. So we we're gonna have minutes, and this is something that is really like studied in basketball where you have your first unit and your second unit and you have to stagger so you you know you have times when your first unit is playing against the other second mm. unit and the, all of this intricacy but we're going to have times where you know it's France second unit versus Sweden second unit and who wins that one that, and then France first unit and Sweden first unit who wins that one and then there's like all the times
1: in between that'll be a great um, thing to to um, keep an eye on during the game to see how how the, the scoreline uh, matches that if it's a tight game like uh, where the twos and fros are that's a really good point
2: Do you think Germany are a bit more like similar to Denmark in that regard that they have a strong first team and the rest of the team is maybe a little bit unknown uh, whereas the other two, Sweden and France, are a lot more similar network, uh, with, with the units, like yeah. you said. Sweden and France will enjoy going to an extra time thriller. Yeah. They'll be like, yeah, bring it on. bring <laughs> yeah, exactly. it on.
1: They'll be fresh.
0: Yeah. Vanna is going to be doing push ups <laughs> at 60 minutes, you know, get himself yes.
1: hyped. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be messy at times. Like, both teams are really good at earning penalties. It's, it could be one of those games where that's all we see for 15 minutes is penalties. Proper handball. Well, your gut
2: feeling probably, my gut feeling is France are probably the favourites going into it, don't know. Mine, too. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly. Very slightly. Very in slightly, mind, yeah. But France. What about I've, you, Alex?
0: I put up a couple of polls on uh, Twitter or X as well to uh, see what the general feeling is. And we have two overwhelming favourites, okay. apparently. Um, 82% of people... 84% now of people think that Denmark are going to go through, but 71% of people think that France are going to beat Sweden. It's um, bigger than So it's a lot, it's bigger than expected, mm. I think. And when you look at the tournament, that's probably kind of right, where France have looked way more impressive than Sweden. Sweden have just kind of done the job, but... We know that Sweden can do the job, and I I do think it's going to be really really and close.
1: This is I think this is where the classic kind of fallacy of trying to compare groups before they face each other comes into play, and the the excitement of the of the Cologne group has maybe raised the perceptive level of particularly of France because they're so much better than the rest. But uh, we really don't know until they until they come to blows on Friday. But uh, I think it's closer than. Than seventy one percent, twenty nine percent. That's for yeah, sure, definitely,
0: yeah. And Yim Godfredson needs to
1: get his yeah. finger out and uh, play a good game. He, he just hasn't been good enough. He could do it. Andreas Palica could do it. It's the classic heroes, the Swedish heroes. Do they have one last, or a couple last big performances in them? Uh, I think against the old enemy. I'd say so. You know, two old war horses: Nikola Karabatic and Yim Godfredson smacking lumps out of each other love it
0: and for just for France their their big weakness is that left back position like Nikola Karabatic has been good but
1: like it's not guaranteed kind of for both sides huh uh, yeah true Carlsberg or and your hands are not. Uh... He's solid. Carlsberg is solid, but he's, he's. I wouldn't say like he he had a really like that's why I was so impressed with the Denmark performance. It was a it was a normally good performance. Like that's a, he didn't shoot the lights out.
2: Mm. You know he's four goals
1: and a few assists, and
2: I still think Barcelona look at him going, "Is that that's the guy we bought?" though no And then for Barça, I mean, he's uh, but he's the, the ultimate. Yeah, he's the ultimate. Like he will do
1: whatever the coach tells him. Like he's yeah. he, and and that's what I like about the French team as well. There's a few players like that. You know, you look at Valentin Port, you look at Kanto Mahé, mm. they're like, probably not the, among the 16 best players in the team, but they have so many tools like, that service the team that uh, it makes them worthwhile being in that team. And that is why you have someone like Carlos in there. And, and probably Johansson as well, and not Lucas Nielsen. Mm. And give, give the keys but, to Clara. Anyway. You didn't <laughs> answer the question, Alex. That's all I'm saying.
0: Well, what, what's the question? Fra- France or uh, I, I think I see France's favourites. Um, when you put it that way, that it's going to take Ian Godfrey and Palika to beat France, I just don't have the same, or Clark, you know, but it's, it, it, I just don't have the same faith in those two players as, uh, as I've had in the past. They're just, they look tired right now, the, the two of them. Um, and they're capable of it, but, yeah, France are just fantastic. And uh, hopefully Dic-Mem, um continues to to show that, yeah, he's the man. And uh, we see the big matchup in the final.
1: That'll do it for our semifinal previews. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Brian. And thank you all for listening. We have a short one for our Patreon subscribers after the semifinals on Friday. So still a really good reason to join and uh, and stay with us forever on Patreon. Uh, for that semi-final review final preview and then we'll be back again with another full episode after the finals early next week where we'll also do our alternative awards as is tradition so if you have any nominees for alternative awards or suggestions for the awards do get in touch with us on the socials or on patreon but until then take care everyone and goodbye